This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 64 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have Richard Winters, who's familiar to many of you for his TV show, Richard Winters Horsemanship. And his present a presence at the Road to the Horse is just uh, phenomenal, both inside and outside the arena. And the clinics that he gives around the world um, are renowned. So we also have Sue Kane, Dr. Sue Kane, a horsewoman, a barn manager, and a herd leader for 30-plus years at the Corporate Learning Institute. This is Debbie Lauks. You're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello, hello. Hi, how's it going? It's going great. So nice to chat with you again. It is. It's always fun to catch up and, and uh, share a show together. You know, you're, you're my compadre, my, my right hand and left hand both. Well, I, enjoy, I so enjoy catching up with you because I can tell you all the horsey stories that Glenn's already heard five times and he doesn't want to hear anymore. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear him. <laughs> you're my muse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're my muse, right. Debbie. I laugh at all our jokes, too. That's no. right, and I appreciate it. I'll send fun. you that $5. Really, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Uh, well, I, I loved I loved hearing about Nigel on our last uh, little foray on this uh, show, and it was really it's really fun when somebody gets a new horse, and it's fun to see the dynamics between the horses that you have and how you... You know, how everybody gets along in those first couple of weeks can always be a little... It's always interesting. Yes. And we're kind of getting to know Nigel now. We've had him for just not quite a month yet that we've had him. And his personality is starting to come out. When he first got here, he was just, he was, Glenn would call him a blob. He kind of kept to himself and that he didn't really express himself very much. Uh, but okay. he's starting couch to be a little potato. Bit he was the couch potato he, for the last couple yes, of years. Yes, you are correct. He sat in his, his mom's basement in uh played video yeah. games and <laughs> ate cheese puffs. <laughs> That's right. So uh he's he's starting to come out of his shell a little bit and Glenn is getting more comfortable with him. It was a little it was a tough adjustment for Glenn because G- Nigel is giant compared to Beaker. Oh, Beaker's yeah. barely 15 hands. And Mr. Steady, confident, you know, he had it all down pat. Um Versus Nigel, who was sixteen two or so, yeah, a little bit of a lumbering oaf. He's he's a little bit slow to react and things. So Glenn was going, mm, I don't know this horse. <laughs> um, so I've been getting to know Nigel too. So uh, we've got a good relationship going now. We've uh, we're we're doing much better leading in and out of the pasture now. He's just yeah. kind of drag me along. It's oh, like mm-hmm. I know where I need to go. I don't need you. It's like yeah, you need me. <laughs> you need me. So we've got that figured out. But he is he. I have the impression that he genuinely wants to do what is asked. He he wants to be a rule follower, which is lovely. I like that kind of horse personally. Yeah. But he doesn't necessarily know what the rules are. He wants okay. to follow the rules if he understands them. So I took a page and said, okay, we need to do everything incrementally. Don't just throw the whole cake at him at one time, giving one slice at a time. Good, yeah. So the other day was the first time I took him out to the arena and started to do some ground pull work, work with him. He's very weak behind, and he's he's particularly weak in his stifles. And ground poles are very good for that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to explain to him this 
exercise incrementally. I didn't want to just go out and hop over some ground poles because he's got previous experience doing ground poles incorrectly. All oh. clumbering along. Have- on, well, clumbering along on your forehand and, you know, we, what we're looking yeah. for is that he should spring through them and use mm-hmm. his hindquarters and his core appropriately. That's the whole strengthening exercise of it. And he wasn't doing that when when you first met him. Yeah, No, he he, really wasn't. And it might be because he wasn't taught to, and it might be because he's going, well, I'm kind of lazy and I don't feel like it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He he didn't know what the rules were. So I took him out and I set up my ground poles at at walk distance. And I went through them in hand. I just led him through those so that he would learn what what is expected of him because of the in-hand work we do every day when we go in and out of the pasture, he knows mm-hmm. that he needs to walk next to my shoulder and he knows okay. he de- needs to carry himself. He doesn't need to lean on my lead rope. Good. Right. Yeah. So he knows those yep. two things now. So as he's walking along, if he can't lean on my lead rope, that means he has to carry his own body weight and he has to engage his hindquarters a little bit. He can't walk along like a slug all <laughs> on his forehand. So we, right. we're taking that lesson and I'm adding ground poles to it. So that was like step number one. And he passed that with flying colors. Yay. And a matter of fact, he he saw the ground poles and he pricked his little ears up and said, oh, that's fun. Let's do that. <laughs> and strolled back and forth right through those three or four times. And we got that down pat. So then I hopped up on his back to do the same. And this was okay. where, where it got interesting because I wanted to let him walk through on a loose rein because our goal, my goal is that he should carry his own body through there. I'm not going to pick up the reins and hold your head up for you. Right. So what do you, what do you, what saddle are you on? You bareback? What'd you do? I'm riding English. Okay. He just wears a plain snaffle bridle. Okay. Um, He doesn't much care what saddle you you put on. I can ride him bareback, but he's a little too skinny for that right now. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) Again, unlike Beaker, who was shaped like a couch. Um, Yeah. I I always use a saddle on him just because he's way too narrow right now for, to be sat on comfortably for me. Okay. So put the English tack on him. He goes happily in a snaffle bridle, but he tends to lean a little bit on your hand just mm-hmm. because he's a four-handy horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we walk through on a loose rein because I want him to pick up his feet and carry his own body himself. Trip, 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 oh. trip, 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 trip. <laughs> A lot of knock on wood. Huh? A lot of knock on wood. He didn't understand what was being asked. He thought, well, the right answer is just going to be bump into the rails. So who cares, right? find the boundaries <laughs> find the boundaries so okay i need to explain to him what what is asked so we went out and i worked him a little bit and rode him forward into the contact so we were riding on the bit and then we went back to the ground poles and walked through the ground poles on the bit okay. um, so i am very much controlling his balance at this point with my hands mm-hmm. my seat and my legs Mm-hmm. So did that a few times, went over, took a little break, let him absorb that. And we wandered around the arena and trotted on loose rein for a little while. And I wanted him to percolate on that exercise for 10 minutes or so. Good. Yeah. And then I went back and I walked through one time on the bit. And then I walked through and I'm, you might not be familiar with the process because it's it might not be prevalent in the Western business as it is in the English business, particularly in dressage, where you let the reins slide through your fingers and the horse should seek the bridle mm-hmm. reach okay. towards the bridle. But when he does that, he doesn't lose his balance and fall on his forehand. That's the idea. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He stays balanced. And I did that a couple of times and he managed to stretch out and seek the bridle and not go tripping over the ground poles. Yeah, good. So he understood the lesson because I broke it down and said, let me explain to you how I want you to walk through the ground poles. 
mm-hmm. correctly. And he, I was very pleased because he made that leap from mm-hmm. walking through the ground poles with me, literally controlling his balance to walking through the ground poles and carrying the balance for himself mm-hmm. by yeah, breaking it good. down into little tiny pieces. Now he carried the balance for himself for technically two complete strides. <laughs> it's four ground poles. <laughs> But, you know, when you're a horse, you got to start somewhere, right? That's right. I'm so proud of you. No, incremental is probably the, the most, maybe not misunderstood, but probably underutilized um, That's it, exactly. Underutilized. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all get it, but we don't only do it. And you know what? One of the, the proudest moments I just heard in all that, too, is when I know people kind of say, let them marinate on it. But Really, we almost have to stop ourselves on a positive and just let them walk around. Like you said, just go trot on a loose rein and everything and let their brains marinate on it. Because I, I really do watch how um, the top, top clinicians, th- when they come back the next day, that horse seems to have thought about it all night long, I right? <laughs> and I they start further I ahead. I do it. <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there. But they, 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 they really think think about it. I think because they, they come out further ahead the next day than they ended on the day before. Even though you wanted to end on, you know, you did end on a, on a positive note. Uh, they, they really, they, they give us a lot of credit for the little bit of things that we actually impart to them. And I, I think the key to that, again, was that I, I made the increments so much smaller than I normally would have. Nice. Typically, Good. I would have um, just hopped up on his back and ridden through them. Because, like, okay, it's a ground pole. I'll walk through twice, and then we'll start to trot. <laughs> because yeah. it's a ground pole. If he goes through twice and he doesn't knock into them. But I really wanted to break it down so that he really understood the exercise himself. He wasn't doing it because I said, put your foot here. Mm-hmm. He did it because, oh, this is where I'm supposed to put my foot. Right. It sounds like yeah. a subtle difference, but I think it, from the point of view of success down the road with the next increment yes. up from this, I think yes. it's going to make a huge difference. And I was just pleased as punch with him. I love that. Yay. Nigel, well done. Both of you. What a team, you guys. Look at this. A month later. That's, that's really, sparkles for really Nigel. good stuff. <laughs> you too. <laughs> you get a little ribbon too. Yes. And well, you know, we've got coming up, we, we should probably stop gabbing because I will gab all day long about my poems. I love it. Um, after we hear from IFA, I'm really looking forward to Sue Kane's conversation about her riding styles system. This is going to make such a difference to so many horsemen. I agree. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate. He's a sugar bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the risk capacity survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an index fund advisors. Or you can call us toll free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. 
3133. Dr. Susan Kane is a business consultant and a coach, author and a mother, as well as a lifelong equestrian. She's a partner at the Corporate Learning Institute in Chicago, Illinois, and she teaches at several Chicago area business schools as well. She coaches, designs, trains, facilitates. She, she has just done it all in the corporate world. She's been a coach to numerous Fortune 500 companies, and she is now proudly the creator of Riding Styles, creating a breakthrough relationship with your horse, and has developed two new style assessments designed to help equestrians create breakthrough relationships with humans, too. Well, welcome, Dr. Sue Kane. Can I call you Sue? You can. Welcome I've back. Been worse. Yeah. Thank you. I won't today. Thanks for having me. It's great I'm to be glad back. to have you. I'm glad to have you back. Yeah, and you're always a good reason to to have back too. But you've got some new things happening, and I thought God, we got to get on the phone and and chat a little bit more too, and share you with the world. So, uh, so the big question. I know that you were just at Equine Affair in Ohio, so we're going to be talking about that today. But I'd also like to uh, touch base on a couple of different things that you've created. Um, some different learning styles for people. This is going to be, this is the interview for people who want to know the basics about what do I do about building confidence? What's my style around my horse? What's my horse think of me? All those things. I, I definitely want to get all that in today. So we've got a lot to cover. Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, but here's my first question. You're this big city Chicago professor with a doctor in front of your name and everything. How come you keep coming back to horses in your life? Gosh, I think horses are such a calming influence. Mm. And for me, they kind of harken back to my childhood and my adolescence when I spent a lot of time with horses, at the, at preferentially to humans. And I think the uh, the thing I love about horses is that they can provide that kind of even baseline, if you will. Mm. And I think for me, I think for a lot of us, really, as we get older, I've met a lot of women my age, and we are women of a certain age, yes. that go back to horses once they've left the field, once they've kind of gone on with their lives. I don't know. Mm. Do you find that to be true? Have you met many many women that come back to riding after oh many years? Oh, my gosh. That's, that's our demographic. You just spoke it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and, and I like that you added preferential because I think there's a lot of us that, that could relate to that, too, that, you know, when all else fails, go to the barn. You know, our horse will be kind. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rebound. Mm-hmm. Go to the barn, rebound, and rewind. Yeah. That's right. Our horsey time. That's our therapy, Absolutely. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Forget the shopping. We're <laughs> genes are good enough. I'm, I'm ready for the just the equine therapy. So, so tell us about okay. riding style. Since the last we talked, um, we put out the book, uh, Horses for Leaders, and you and I worked on a, um, another project uh, based on life lessons from the man who listens to horses, Monty Roberts' first book, The Man Who Listens to Horses. And, mm-hmm. uh, but you, you've taken a left turn and you've, you've started using some of those wonderful attributes you've learned in your career, which we, we introduced you as a business consultant and a coach, um, to um, blend with your horsemanship. Tell us about riding styles. Well, yeah. Yeah. And let me just start by saying the two books that you referenced that we've written together, Horse Sense for Leaders and Life Lessons from the Man Who Listens to Horses, there's a huge interest in those books and in content around Monty Roberts right now. I was just at Equine Affair in Ohio, and what I learned is that there are so many people saying, can, can we access him? Where can we get to him? And I passed out so many cards and suggested that people go to Monty's online university. Well, 
what happened after you and I wrote our books is I became curious about how people come into their relationship with their horse. Mm -hmm. And so in my practice, I use an assessment tool called the DISC, which is a Wiley, John Wiley and Sons product which is an assessment tool widely used the world over, along with the Myers-Briggs type indicator, by the way, to help people source their personal style and impact. And so here, here it is. If you could understand yourself and have more mindfulness around your impact, and if you could begin to understand how the blending of those different styles creates both opportunity and setbacks in an organization, wow, you'd have, you'd have a, you know, you'd really have some great information. I rewrote the assessment because it's open source. Mm -hmm. I took the DISC style assessment and rewrote it for equestrians. I made three different assessments. I made one for horseback riders and how they impact their horse called Mm -hmm. Riding Styles. Then I made another one because I was asked to, uh, and this one goes out to Megan Hill McQueenie at uh, Bravehearts, who said, no, I have to have one for instructors. So I rewrote one with my intern. Stephanie uh, Tribal, thank you very much, Stephanie, and Elmhurst mm-hmm. College. Right. Um, and we rewrote it for instructors. We call it the Writing Instructor Styles Assessment. And then we uh, rewrote one and created one especially for equestrian professionals in their organizations called uh, Writing Style Professionals. Awesome. And so we have three assessments. So tell us the difference between, I mean, obviously the titles, but tell us a little bit about the nuances. I mean, if somebody's sitting here going, well, you know, I give a few lessons, and um, but I really want to know my own riding style. I want, I want to get a breakthrough relationship with my horse. What, what's the difference? Right. So if you want to understand how you impact your horse and how you show up tendency-wise, you would take riding styles. And it basically will tell you exactly what you do as you go into enter that relationship with your horse. What do I do so well? What do I overuse? What am I underutilizing? What am I not even thinking of as a stylistic approach when I go to work with my horse? And give me you know, an example. You can say it. Yeah, so sure. give, me, yeah. give, me, give so, me an example of that. Yeah. Oh gosh, I have a great one. So I had a horse that my husband bought me and this horse, lovely Tennessee Walker named Whiskey. And Whiskey was um, needing lots more turnout. And so we started turning him out after I purchased him uh, frequently, much more frequently, uh, lots of riding, lots of turning out. And still we saw that he was very hot. He ran really hot. Well, he had my daughter on his back one day in the outdoor arena. And there were some noises that were occurring from other parents in the arena. And the noise level rose and it spooked him. And he took off with my daughter on his back and she fell, had a really sustained a really hard fall. Well, I went right into that horse eyes on eyes as a predator and backed him right into a corner. We all know that that correct approach would have been to calm everybody down, check for injuries and walk the horse out, get back on. We all know that, right? Mm -hmm. I was using my style, which is very directive, very Mm -hmm. direct. Mm -hmm. And I overused my style. Mother bear. You were a mother bear. Yeah, mother bear. I said, don't (laughs) you dare do this to my child. And and so it's useful and instructive for me to know that that was my style and action overused. Mm -hmm. Underutilized was that softer, kinder, gentler, reasonable voice saying, you know what? Everybody's all keyed up here. This horse was spooked. We need to de-spook him. We need to work on de-spooking. We need some more groundwork with this horse. That was not top of mind for me. And so everybody that's listening to the show today has the same thing. They are a particular style. And they're going to come into that relationship with their horse using that style. They're going to overuse it and they're going to underuse different styles. And just to be aware of that, to have some sort of sense of, oh, yeah, I do do this. is so very useful. And then you can begin to flex your style. 
So now, by the way, I did sex my sal. Would you like to hear the end of the story? I do. <laughs> okay. The horse, I felt so bad for him, and I had so much remorse, the eyes on eyes, backing him into a, a predatorial type relationship, that I gave that horse to a friend of mine. He lives outside full-time now in Reed City, Michigan. Yeah. So he has a happy life, and I wrote some assessments because of the situation. Yeah, good. So that's how it can help. That's writing styles. Okay, that's writing styles. And that's a relationship with your horse and your style and how it affects him and, and vice versa, I suppose. So now take us to the professional level. Sure. So if you're a writing professional, you work in an equine organization, you work with others, you have to interface with others. We all know that in the equestrian or in organizations we work in, we sometimes run into all sorts of problems, maladaptive behaviors, um, issues relative to um, uh, conflict that is unresolved and continuously unresolved. And I have a theory on equestrians who work as professionals in equine organizations. My theory is that there's so much caring that goes into that job and passion mm-hmm. Now, it's a different type of job, isn't it, than uh, making widgets or, or um, you know, uh, working on a fry machine at McDonald's. There's passion that goes mm. into this position of being yeah. an equestrian professional. Gotta so I created the, I, I think you have to have it. It makes you run, right? It makes mm-hmm. your organization successful and effective. So I made an, uh, an assessment called, or I created an assessment from the disc, again, all beta tested, taken live to the market and tested until the, t- the assessment is sound and valid. Um, and this time, this measure for the equine professional's style is how do you appear with, with others in terms of your style? How is that different and the same than others in your organization? Mm-hmm. How does that create opportunities and problems? Mm-hmm. And how can you begin to look at blending those styles into what we call culture so that mm-hmm. we see where the preponderance of styles lie? And so we can begin to think more contemplatively about how to get the right culture in your equine organization. Yeah. And so that, that's, that particular assessment measures that and, and allows people to share their styles with each other. So tell me, tell me a story about that. And you've got, you've been beta testing this. You probably have some professionals yeah. that have used it. Yeah. You have any success stories? Or oh, sure. Horror stories? Sure, or- I have. Okay. No, frequently we'll have a disparity between a board of directors and a nonprofit, for oh, example, yes. the yeah. client organization with the staff. There'll be a staff to board problem and we're not resolving it. And I, the first thing I like to do is find out more about that problem by doing interviews and then really getting to the root cause of what's going on. But then I also like to do some work around what, how are we so different? What is your style? What is my style? And how do we come into the conversation of conflict differently? And it's so very instructive for people to relax and just be who they are and be validated for that. And so, so can, that can the layman take this? Can, 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 you know, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about all the equestrians. Yeah. Not, well, you know, somebody who's put a, a barn together and they've been a professional for a long time and they do mm-hmm. want to make some efforts toward, maybe you've got, you know, one trainer in an equestrian center that's just really given everybody <laughs> some tough, tough moments and, and you want to break this down. Can this be used? But can somebody say, Hey, Sue, how do I, how do I resolve this conflict with, when none of Absolutely. us are doc- doctors, facilitators, we don't have initials after our names, you know, can we really just use these as laymen? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, and to do that, you just go to our website, which is writingstyles.com. R-I-D-I-N-G styles, one word, dot com. And you can download the assessments 
on a color printer and take the assessment ad nauseum. You know, you can use it for as many people as you care to use it for. Oh, we nice. are coming or currently coming in with a uh, online uh, assessment version with a longer workbook, uh, which will be much more detailed than what we have right now. But we're in iteration one. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can go to the website and download and take the assessment right away. Yeah. So the the, dif- the big difference is a relationship with your horse versus a relationship with the humans that you're working around with horses. So right. you've, yeah. you've modified this with questions, concerns, whatever that are to they right. equestrian centric. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So so how did how did it, how did it go at Equine Affair? This is is this the first time that you've you've presented it? No, this is my second uh, presentation. Nice sessions packed with very kind people who are oh, very, <laughs> uh, very receptive and kind about uh, hearing about the assessments. And then we were lucky enough to also introduce the uh, uh, writing instructor styles assessment, which is a fabulous tool for instructors to begin to gauge what their styles are and also, though, to be able to let these instructors gauge what their student styles are yeah. so they can begin to flex. So if you're an extrovert uh, writing instructor, my gosh, and you want to move really quickly into action steps and you have in front of you a little quiet introverted student, um, the dynamic there is to really start to see who you have in front of you and flex your style so you don't alienate that student. So that you can mm-hmm. you can maintain a good, positive, instructional relationship with that student. So that was very, very well received. And and as well as the other assessments, they were all uh, very kind words said about them. Yes. So Um, if, if I had a daughter, let's say I wanted to bring uh, my daughter to a lesson and I'm, I'm choosing an instructor, let's say I've got choices, that'd be nice. And um, I want that, I want to figure out if this instructor is a good fit for my daughter. Would, would there be, would there be a use in that for that? Oh, that's interesting. I haven't thought about that before. That's a really interesting thought. Um, yeah, I mean, what would you do? You would probably take the assessment and profile the instructor, profile your daughter, and then say, I see a match and mismatch, or better yet, I see mismatches, but those can also be hidden opportunities for both mm-hmm. to grow. So, it yes, you can use the writing instructor styles to begin to gauge what style the instructor is coming in with in what style is the student or daughter, your daughter is coming in with. And you literally kind of review that and, and bring those two together in the same room and really do a nice job of saying, wow, we've, we're different here and there's some growth opportunities because of it. Mm-hmm. So gr- different is good, not necessarily yeah. bad, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was just, I, what you are as such an expert at meshing and bringing, elevating, downplaying and getting everybody on the same page. Because you you know, we all come in with, uh, a, like in the case of the disc, the four quadrants. Uh, we're all a little different, but um, it's it's so interesting. And if anybody ever gets a chance to do their own personality assessment, uh, Dr. Kane is wonderful at that. Uh, and that's just, it helps you work with other people. It doesn't, it's not a change thing, right? So it's not about trying to change everybody or change yourself. It's about oh, gosh, those no. overlaps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it is. So it's it's a fun it's a fun thing because you you know it's like working with horses. You you take what you have on the day, and the horse takes you, and you take it, and and away you go. And uh, people are no I know are more complicated, but at our root, we kind of come from the same same areas each time that's working together. So another thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about is horses for leaders, because um, we've got another. Uh, interview coming up after this and 
It's a clinician that is all about leadership. And I'm just, this is the subject in front of my mind right now. And we had so much fun writing the book, Horses for Leaders. But tell me a little bit about how that's evolving now. You've been putting on some courses for for humans, you know, and and yeah. helping helping them with the uh, the professors we call horses, and uh, I'd like to know how that's evolving for you as a catch up. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. So, Horse Sense for Leaders is a book that you and I wrote. It is available on Amazon. You can buy it. there are two or three versions of it. I think at this point, mm. and we have a workshop coming up, don't we, on September 9th, twenty sixteen, at Flag Is Up Farms. Yes, uh, which is in Solvang, California, folks. You can fly right into Santa Barbara. Let me plug it. You can fly right into Santa Barbara, and we'll help you get settled. She's so cute, um, and she'll yeah. she'll rent rent the car with the drop down. Remember, you have the drop top, and you know, yeah, yeah, drive sure. I mean, beach. whatever. <laughs> Absolutely, you know that was that nineteen sixty eight Toyota. I think I had that. Oh, um, <laughs> no, but tell us about we it. have. Uh, we do. We do have some great people coming to join us for Horse Sense for Leaders. It's a workshop offering on September 9th at Flag is Up Farms. Following that, I also want to talk a little bit about the weekend because we have a whole weekend planned. Mm-hmm. So people can come out in late summer, early fall and spend a nice weekend in Salvang with us. Um, I presented Horse Sense for Leaders, which is the book you and I wrote um, this last week at the Equine Affair in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. And it was received very, very well. Some of the interesting comments I had from a packed room of people was wonderful. Were things like, "Where's Monty?" And I'm like, "I'm, I'm thinking of where's Waldo? Where's Monty?" <laughs> well, he's busy. Uh, when can we get him back? Um, and and there were some wonderful comments about how he shows up as a leader. And our book focuses in particular on a four quadrant model of how he practices some very specific what we would think of as leadership traits in order to work with not just horses, but with humans too. So in my mind, Horses for Leaders, wonderful book. Uh, We did a little work around the assessment tool you and I created, which is a trust-based leadership assessment. You know, to what extent do you feel you encourage trust with others? And to what extent do you feel you are trustworthy as a leader? Mm -hmm. Because it certainly is Monty's groundwork with horses that he begins with the understanding that the most important thing to do first is to get trust. It is absolutely a ground, you know, given, ground truth given that if you don't have that, you can't really proceed with anything else, right? That's right. It's not even fair to tell you the truth. And a lot of people, I think, are coming on to that. But, you know, we really, I don't think we can say it enough that leadership is actually fair to horses than not having leadership because somebody's got to lead and somebody's got to be the adults in the room and horses are looking for that. So, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Whether you're coming from a a human looking at the horse or the horse looking at the human, either way, trust is only happening if you're being fair and that's leadership. Well, and we have some people joining us for our session, by the way. Not only do mm-hmm. we have Pat Maki and yourself, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. We have John Jan Cleese, who is the CEO of the Partners Federal Credit Union. And John has just written a great new book he's bringing in, so we'll have some freebies and giveaways. We also have Jess Hess, who is with LinkedIn Chicago. She's mm-hmm. going to be talking about her, uh, uh, her impact as a woman leader at LinkedIn. Um, And we're going to be talking a lot about how horses teach us about leadership and what you can expect there is probably a join-up. So we'll probably do a join-up demonstration. Got to do that. A couple of assessments and some nice books and 
have a really nice time thinking about how horses impact us in terms of thinking about leaders. That's right. Well, it all comes back. It all comes around to horses. I love it, Sue. Thank you so much for giving us time today. And I bet you're just exhausted after coming off an equine affair. So <laughs> thank you for carving 20 minutes out today for us. And um, happy to always talk to you. Yeah. And so we look forward to hearing more about it. We'll catch up soon. Good. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks, Sue. Thanks, Sue. We all hear about omega-3 and how important it is for your horse's nutrition, but why? Well, simply put, horses were created to get all of their nutrition from live natural grasses. Omega-3 is an essential fat found in many types of live grasses, and it's critical to the horse's health. If they were living on live grasses 24-7, they would be receiving enough omega-3. But in today's world, most horses are fed commercial feed and forage as their primary nutrition, and most of these are lacking in omega-3. That's where Omega Fields comes in. All of Omega Fields' flax-based products provide a balanced, essential profile of Omega-369 and may be helpful in alleviating problems related to skin, coat, hoof, joint, and sand colic. One of Omega Fields' terrific products is Omega Horse Shine. Omega Horse Shine is an Omega-3 stabilized ground flaxseed supplement for horses to help maintain a shiny, healthy coat, strong, solid hooves, and top performance for horses in all life stages. Omega Fields provides the best human-grade, non-GMO ground flax that can help horses with dry, scaly, itchy skin, joint pain and inflammation, poor hoof growth, allergies, and more. Don't just listen to Debbie and I. Alexandra, a customer of Omega Field, says any horse I ever own, I will feed them Omega Horse Shine and I will recommend it to anyone. You can get your Omega Horse Shine today at omegafields.com or just for our listeners, get 15% off using the coupon code MONTY2015. All one word, it's MONTY2015 for 15% off your next order at omegafields.com. That's omegafields.com. For over 35 years, Richard Winters has dedicated himself to honing his horsemanship skills and to passing this knowledge on to others, including his daughter, Sarah, whom he and his wife, Cheryl, are extremely proud of. A lot of horse persons will know Richard from the Road to the Horse competitions. After competing and winning the event in 2009, he's provided the commentary as Horseman's Host. Richard Winters' horsemanship journey has earned him many horse-showing championship titles, obtaining his goal of the World Championship in the National Reined Cow Horse Association became a reality in 2005. He's a double-A judge, a rated judge, and a top five finalist in the Cowboy Dressage World Finals in 2015. Richard Winters and Monty Roberts created five extraordinary lessons on the principles of Western reining for the Equus Online University, and Richard was awarded by Monty a Western Equitarian Award for trainers in the Western riding disciplines who choose to train horses in the absence of violence or pain. He recently re released his new book. It's a brand new book called From Rider to Horseman, published by Western Horseman Magazine. Well, welcome, Richard Winters. I'm glad to have you on Horsemanship Radio. Debbie, thank you very much. It's a privilege to be here. 
Yeah, we had you once before, but golly, we had you, I think, in a group setting. It was the uh, light hands horsemanship that we had, you know, just about everybody that came to that thing on the radio interview. So I'm glad to isolate you a little bit. And you've given us a good excuse. You've just released a brand new book, From Rider to Horseman. I'm really excited about it. Well, that's right. And we are excited as well. It's been a fun journey to see this thing come together. Uh, and so we're anxious to talk about it. Good. Well, before we get into that, we're going to set the tone a little bit cause so, so that everybody listening gets to know you a, a little bit more if they don't already. It's pretty hard not to know Richard Winters out there, though. You've got your, your uh, horse and hands in everything these days, um, and it's really exciting to hear some of the things. I, and in preparing for this, I, I, just, I watch a lot of videos. You've got some great videos on YouTube, and, and a lot of people have videoed you as well, you know, so I, I learned a lot. Um, but one of the things that I thought, I got to hear from you about this leadership. You're really on a, on a, a, a wagon to, to get leadership back in horsemanship, and I so appreciate that. And I was listening to some of your comments about uh, Ray Hunt and how Ray Hunt can identify a horseman within five minutes of seeing somebody around a horse. And, and I, I, I extrapolate from that that there's a leadership quality. There's not only a familiarity and a, and a good horseman about it, but, but there's some qualities that, um, that make a leader versus, you know, it's kind of like the adult and the child in the room. <laughs> you know? and, and I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about what you're finding in that these days. Well, you bet. Uh, and, you know, horses, they are not leaders. Uh, they are natural followers. They're looking for somebody or something that will stand up and say, hey, let's go this way and things will work out for you. Uh, they work that out, out uh, in a natural environment. And we've, we've domesticated them and we bring them into our backyards. And if we can be that kind of leader that our horse needs us to be, then it, it's amazing, as you know, what they will do for us. But when that leadership breaks down, they don't feel that coming from us. Then they just start relying on their own instincts, depending, uh, you know, just on their own ability to run away or, or spook or whatever it might be. And so this book that we wrote, we talked about the idea of leaving the idea of just being a horseback rider and truly becoming a horseman, that horseman that has leadership. Because horseback riding, that's just the art of not falling off. I think anybody could, you know, be a horseback rider. They have therapeutic riding programs for handicapped people and, and anybody can ride, but that horseman or horsewoman, we'll use the term generically here. That's more an elite group, but I don't think everybody's willing to pay the price or the tuition that, that it takes to become a horseman. It's a lifelong journey. I I think I'm still on probation in the club myself, Uh, but I am working on it. Uh, I want to be a horseman. I want to be the leader that my horse needs me and wants me to be. Uh, And again, they're, they're not, they're not fighters. They don't want to uh, be confrontational. They just want to get along. They just want to feel like they're safe and comfortable. And so if I'm that kind of leader that my horse needs me to be, then He'll go over a jump, he'll follow a cow, he'll walk down the trail, whatever we need him to do, but they've got to feel that leadership from us. That's right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and you couldn't manifest it anymore. You know, I, you're, I know you're on a journey, and I love that, and I think the greatest horsemen never stop learning. Um, I think Dad's favorite saying is, uh, every horseman needs two lives because the first life you just kind of figure everything out and then now you got to practice it for the next life. But, but sure. um, I, I love your points about, 
um, small points. You, you mentioned that small points become integral to your horsemanship journey. So tell us some of those little small points that happen during the day or during that time when you're working with your horse. Well, we do talk about the idea that it's the little things that make the big difference. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're a novice horse person and you go down to the local stable and sign up for 10 lessons, uh, you'll learn the basic things of horseback riding, how to kick to go and pull to stop and not get your toes stepped on when you're leading them and all these <laughs> things. Uh, and so 10 weeks later, you're good to go. You're a bonafide horseback rider. But just like Monty talked about, it takes a lifetime to really become a horseman or a horsewoman because you've learned those 10 basic things, but now there's still 990 little things that really begin to separate you from the average horseback rider. Uh, and when you look at these things, some of them almost seem kind of insignificant. Oh, what, what difference does that make? Uh, mm-hmm. and just alone into itself, maybe it doesn't make that much difference, but you, you put that with the 989 other things, little mm-hmm. things that you're working on. Now you begin to put together a package. It does make a big difference. Uh, and horsemen are concerned about these things. Not just can I drag my horse from point A to point B and time up at point B, but how does that horse follow my leadership just on the end of a lead rope? And again, any novice person could probably lead their horse across the barnyard. So for a horseman, it's not the question of can I do this task or that task, but how do I perform that task? Uh, I want my horse to walk around in a circle while I'm mounted. Um, Well, anybody could probably do that. But the question is, how does he walk around in that circle? Um, I'm not much of a dancer. In fact, I'm not any kind of a dancer. But I suppose <laughs> I could grab my lovely wife, Cheryl, and, and, and grab her on both shoulders and, and march her across the, the dance floor this way and back the other way and say, okay, okay now we danced. Well, we mechanically, I guess we did. Uh, but those, those great dancers, the Fred Astaire's and the Ginger Rogers out there, mm-hmm. they have that feel and that timing and that balance you can't hardly tell where one dancer stops and the other dancer starts that's the way i want to be with my horse to have that kind of feel not just the mechanics of horseback riding but truly the psychology of horsemanship Mm, that's beautiful but you know what i heard in that dance though is a willingness on the part of the horse as well how do you get that want to in your horse well, we talk to people all the time that would come up with horsemanship questions, whether it's trying to get into load in the trailer or trying to stand still while we get on them or pick up the left lead, whatever it might be. And, and I'll try to give them a, a, an answer, a pathway to help get that goal accomplished. But if I want to be just a little bit sarcastic, I could simply say, oh, we'll just go make the right thing easy and the wrong thing difficult, be firm <laughs> as necessary, get gentle as possible, and reward the slightest try. Because that's the answer to every single question that we would ever have with our horses. Uh, How can I make the right thing really easy for my horse and the wrong thing kind of difficult for my horse? Uh, And so loading in the trailer, and my goodness, your dad has done this for 50 years all over the world, uh, doing trailer loading demonstrations. It'd be hard to find an exercise that, that exemplifies this concept any more than than the horse trailer because what's more diametrically opposed to a horse's mm. psyche than that that metal tin can that we're asking yes. him to go in and so my idea is for him to go in that trailer and every instinct inside the horses 
I shouldn't go in there. I should run away. I should back up. I should, if I'm totally trapped, I should lash out and fight so I can get away, but I shouldn't go in this trailer. I've got to make my ideas become their ideas. And so mm-hmm. rewarding that slightest try when that horse takes that step then taking that pressure off. So the horse begins to realize, okay, there is a way that I can go where it feels more comfortable. And that's where my field timing and balance is so important. If I spank him on the butt when he is walking forward towards the trailer, well, I haven't rewarded his going forward. I've In, in his mind, I've punished his going forward. Mm-hmm. And so we tell people sometimes it's not so important what you do. It's when you quit doing what you're doing. Excellent. See, you're the adult in the room. I love that. Now, the interesting thing about the book, too, is that you've got four pages to a chapter. You've got that book with you, I think, right now, Sue. And it's designed sure. to be uh, like a reference, like a user-friendly. Um, this is unique to horse people. I-, I love it because there's a lot of horse people who go, a book, really? I have to read a book, you know? And I just want to go to the barn. And, but they want the information. So you've got this kind of in a format. How did you decide to do it like that? Is it what I just described? Is because people well, wouldn't read? or <laughs> You know, uh I guess I'm probably just like everybody else. Our lives are very busy. We're trying to juggle so many things and to pick up a, a large book or a tome and think, wow, 350 pages to, yeah. to figure out what this guy's concept is. It's probably a great book, but, but in all reality, we never really get through it. And so, as you mentioned, more of a reference manual that so I'm curious about side passing and you can just turn to, you know, chapter nine and invest 20 minutes in the text and looking at the pictures and the captions. Oh, okay. I see how he's talking about doing that. And then go right out to the barn and you have that lesson complete within itself. You didn't have to invest three hours of reading or, or go through so many chapters. Uh, so each chapter stands alone unto itself. Many of them, uh, involve groundwork. Many of them involve writing exercises, uh, and so whatever your interest is and, or wherever your concerns are, you can go to that chapter, check it out, and then go out and play with your horse. Okay. And is this level of the book, is it, you know, is it across the spectrum? Or what would you, where, where would the, the demographic be for this person who wants this book? If you have a horse and you're wanting to convey an idea to that horse and get along better with that horse, then this book is for you. Uh, it's It's not that complex. It's not that sophisticated mainly because I'm the one that wrote it. Uh, so it's going to be pretty pretty simple. And truly, horsemanship is pretty simple. Now, you'll find some chapters that deal with very basic things and then some chapters that uh, talk about more advancing horsemanship. Uh, but whether you are an English rider or a Western rider, whether you ride competitively or just for fun, we want to put together a book that is gonna, going to help people go from just being a horseback rider to truly being a horseman or horsewoman. doesn't matter what kind of saddle you ride in or what kind of boots you wear. Uh, all of us, again, we're just trying to communicate an idea to our horse. And so a lot of it is, is putting some meat on the bones and some practical concepts of how we can uh, work on our equine linguistic skills, so to speak, and, and how can we make that idea become theirs. Great. That's great. So it sounds like it's not just uh, in the saddle. It's it's groundwork too. It's it's your it's your body management around a horse. Is that right? That's right. It's a little bit of everything, uh, and it's really a, a culmination of what I've been doing with horses for many years. Uh, 
I can't go out and just ride uh, because I've got to go into a stall and I've got to get a halter on them. Mm-hmm. And right. I can't, I can't just be involved in training all day long. I've got things I have to do around the barn uh, and, and stable management and all kinds of things. So again, regardless of the discipline that uh, you are into, we've got to get in there and do things with horses on the ground and riding in the arena, outside the arena, all these things. So I tried to touch on all these areas. Good. That's really good. So I couldn't get away without asking a little bit about Road to the Horse since everybody's a huge fan of Road to the Horse anymore too. And I've got my producer, Jen, on the phone who's been to the Road to the Horse. I'm been so lucky yet and um i know she may have some questions or two jen do you did you want to ask richard we've got him right here i'm i'm fascinated with make the right thing easy and make the wrong thing difficult because it sounds like such a simple concept when you say it but the volumes of bad training results that we see everywhere we go in the horse world tell me that it is not as easy as it sounds. So could you give me an example of someone taking that concept and applying it in the wrong way so that the results are completely disastrous, which is, we, I'm sorry, but we see that. People think they're doing it, but what in fact they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, we could go back to the classic example of loading a horse in a trailer. Um, People say, well, I need, to get, I need to get him in that trailer. If he gets in the trailer, then, then I'll reward him. Uh, and so they'll get to swinging the rope or spanking the horse on the butt. Uh, but they don't have any feel, and they don't have any timing. And I'll talk to them and say, you know, if, if you'll give them good direction and then uh, begin to swing that rope towards their butt, and then immediately people say, oh, yeah, I did that. I tried that. It didn't work. <laughs> I try to be patient and try to give them some more ideas, but I but I know because I've worked with so many thousands of people, so you didn't do it with feel, timing, and balance then. Rewarding that slightest try, that was the third concept that I spoke about a moment ago. Uh, so, yeah, you're swinging the rope, you're tapping them on the butt. Anybody can do that, but when do you quit tapping them? Did you notice that try? Did you see that horse try to put his head down into the, the first threshold of that trailer? Did you see that? front foot want to come forward. If you miss those little tries, then the horse says, you know what? I did step forward and that guy just kept spanking me. So I don't think stepping forward is the answer. Well, he's absolutely right because our timing was wrong. So we make the right thing. It's a little Mm -hmm. bit like uh, in elementary school, the little shy kid in the back of the room puts his hand up because he's got the answer. He's got the answer. But the teacher just happened to have his back turned at the moment that little shy child put his hand up. So by the time the teacher sure. turns back around again, the, the little kid's not got his hand up anymore because he saw five other kids put their hands up and he's terrified now. So we have to be really excellent observers, don't we? Mm-hmm. Well, you really do. You can't miss those little tries because the horse won't come back and say, well, I'll give him a bigger try. Maybe he'll notice that. No, if we miss that little try, it might be a long time before that horse ever tries that again. Uh, I think there's only about six things a horse can do. He can go forwards, backwards, left, right, up and down. And every time you put a little pressure on a horse, 
they see within their mind's eye these panorama of doors, and they start trying door handles. And it's our job to have five of those doors completely sealed off and closed, and one door swinging wide open with big spotlights shining down on it. Mm -hmm. Step through that door, and then you're going to be comfortable. Then things are going to work out for you. Again, that's all they want to be is they just want to be able to survive, and then they want to be comfortable. Yeah, I love that. And and so many people are hitting the horse from the behind. And where do you want them to think? You want them to think forward, right? And what would you be thinking about if somebody's hitting you on the butt? You're thinking backwards. And and the whole psychology is upside down on that. So I agree with I love that shining light example. That's perfect, Richard. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, well, that's fun. So so thanks so much for you know agreeing to give us some time. You are a really busy guy. What's your next uh, journey? Are you off to a competition now, giving clinics? What are you doing? Well, it's certainly my pleasure to visit with you ladies today. We've been out on the road for about two months, and we just pulled in the gate this last week. So fun to be home. I don't mm. know how you feel, but it seems like the older I get, the more fun it is to stay home. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. So we're catching our breath for a few days, but actually tomorrow I head over to California uh, to do a horsemanship clinic, and then next weekend off to Ohio. And this summer uh, we head over to the Big Island, Hawaii, and then we head over mm. to England and to Scotland to do some international clinics. So uh, we'll be making hay while the sun shines. And, yes, you and it, it, Awesome. It's so interesting that whether I'm in Gulf, California or uh, Edinburgh, it, it makes no difference. Horses are horses. The same kind of problems, the same kind of situations arise no matter where we are. And everybody, regardless of the language they speak, they're just trying to get an idea across to that horse. And so that's what we're helping people do. Really good. And and we want to know how to get that book, Richard. Where should people go to get your book? Well, you can go directly to our website to find out all the information about Richard Winters Horsemanship, and that's at wintersranch.com. Or you can call us direct. Chances are my wife will pick up the phone at 805-276-6101. And we will sign a copy, uh, personalize it for you, and send it right out to you. Excellent. Say hi to Cheryl for us too. And Sarah, your daughter, who's doing so well, your wife, Cheryl, who's in, and where is Sarah now? Is she, she moved out of state? Well, uh, a year or two ago, she got married uh, to a a rain cow horse trainer and they train horses down in Aubrey, Texas now. And so uh, they're just doing great down there and have a serious cow horse business down in Texas. Fantastic. Well, we would love to have you all as a family on here sometime too, maybe after Hawaii. That sounds really fun. <laughs> and that get, would gotcha? be fun, sure. Yeah, we could we could conference you all in and put you all together, keep you family working. So thanks again for for um, agreeing to join us on Horsemanship Radio and uh, had a lot of fun. And we'll get that book. And I hope everybody starts listening to those huge points that you made, Richard. Those are great ones. Well, Deb, thank you so much for your time today, and let's not uh, take so long before we do it again. Appreciate it. I agree with that. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, what's the most important factor in causing a horse to accept his lessons? Monty's answer. If I were required to give a one-word answer to this question, it would be trust. 
There is virtually no way forward in education in the absence of trust, whether you're dealing with horses or humans. My students often hear me say, adrenaline up, learning down. But how do you get adrenaline up other than through fear and lack of trust? It's a fact that trust is just the catch-all word to describe contentment, relaxation, and the desire to work in a partnership. Fear will only create performance for a short period of time before resentment and discontent strip the student of the desire to perform. In reading your question, I am focusing on the phrase, accept his lessons. There are two distinct ways in which a horse person can cause a horse to accept his lessons. One is through trust, and the other is fear. The latter has been used for 8,000 years. The word used to describe the training process in most languages is break. This word describes quite well the act of forcing a horse to do something or suffer pain. The sentence I most often use to describe this training theory is, you do what I tell you or I'll hurt you. It was considered effective and acceptable for all of those 8,000 years. After the global impact of my first book, many people began to see the shortcomings of applying force to a flight animal. Through demonstrations, I was able to cause horses to accept their lessons freely. I have displayed these concepts in the presence of public audiences with over 7,000 horses. No horse has been a failure. The world is changing and it's happening more rapidly than I could have ever dreamed possible. Tens of thousands of horses are trained each year following my principles and they're performing far better than when they experience training with force, pain, and violence. I have no idea why it took so long for the human species to understand these principles, but I am very pleased that we are finally coming to know them. There are more ways to be educated in nonviolent horsemanship today than ever before. Be inquisitive. Seek out the best information available. Read the books, watch the videos, and work with the horses. Once you are on your way to learning these concepts, allow the horses to be your teachers. They will always have the answers we seek if we will just be respectful and observant. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, Go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum... And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in Johannesburg, May 28 and 29, 2016. It's coming right up. And June 4 and 5 in Cape Town, South Africa. So, And then in July, 17 through 21, out at Flag is Up Farms, he is going to put on a 
Monty's special training with the translation in Portuguese. And then following that on August 1 through 5, he has his Monty's special training at Flag is Up Farms, the regular one that we've had every year forever. And August 22 through September 2 is the Gentling Wild Horses course, a new one since last year at Flag is Up Farms in California. Then on September 9, we have Horse Sense for Leaders, our corporate event, and that Sue Kane will be helping out in. And then September 10 through 11, that weekend is Wild at Heart with Pat Roberts and Monty Roberts. Lots of stuff going on. Drinking wine will be one of them. (laughs) That sounds like a great time, everybody. You should check into that. And you can find it all and more at MontyRoberts.com. Or you can call and speak with a wonderful, friendly individual at Flag is Up Farm by calling 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com where you will find links, photos, and more information about today's guests. And as always, we love your feedback. Please let us know if there are topics you'd like us to cover, questions for Monty and or Debbie, because she's a wealth of knowledge. If there are guests that you think would be really cool for the show, we would love to hear your suggestions. You can follow Monty Roberts on Facebook. Just search Monty Roberts. And Monty Roberts is also on Twitter. His handle is Monty underscore Roberts. And you can have all of the all of your favorite Horse Radio Network shows, including Horsemanship Radio, wherever you go by downloading the free Horse Radio Network app for iPhone or Android. Just download it today by going to your app store and searching Horse Radio Network. It's free. Or if you're old school, imagine that old school, you can subscribe via <laughs> iTunes. That's crazy. Yeah. And many thanks to our sponsors who are probably more techie than we are. That's Omega Fields, IFA.com, and MontyRobertsUniversity.com. And be sure to visit all those other great shows Jen talked about, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours. <laughs>